and bonus up to $2,000, you'll earn entries to our raffle, where you can win cool prizes, including a trip for two and more than $4,000 in free play money. The more friends you refer, the more entries you'll get, a no-brainer. There's two days left to participate and enter. Preseason blog closes on September 8th. Top up your wagering action with our survivor pool and free and featured football contests. There are plenty of ways to win on BetUS, so head over to our website to get more details, and I'll be back to keep you posted. This NFL season, Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and Scott Kellen will break down the games live every Tuesday and Friday on our BetUS NFL YouTube channel. Subscribe, hit that bell now, and never miss a show. BetUS, where the game begins. The NFL 2021 season officially kicks off this Thursday with a matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in Florida at Raymond James Stadium. Bat Prescott returns from a leg injury that cost him much of last season, and he will face off against none other than Tom Brady. Can't wait to see that. We will be covering all the angles on our NFL live show this Tuesday. Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show, and it is week two. Now, this is, of course, part one of week two, but we are ready to rock and roll. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE, and the show each week is brought to you by the experts here at BetUS, where the game begins. On your left, Parker Fleming, our numerical guru. You can follow him on Twitter at StatsOfWar, and on the right, of course, Kyle Hunter, a professional award-winning handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Kyle Hunter Sports. Uh, before we jump into all of the other stuff, Parker, we'll start with you. How are you feeling about this week? I'm feeling great. You know, we had uh, just an absolute fire hose of, of games from from Wednesday night all the way until Monday. So it is kind of nice just to have Friday, Saturday slate a little bit. We get to look and, uh, you know, breathe a little bit, maybe enjoy a beer during a football game instead of, you know, watching uh, 28 hours of football straight. Exactly. All the way Wednesday through Sunday was bananas. Uh, Kyle, how about you? Everything going well in your world? Yeah, man. Um, we had some great football games there in week one. Looking forward to another great week two. Um, maybe not some of the high profile matchups that we had there in week one, but I think we have plenty of value here on the slate. I agree. I agree. It's a, We've got a fantastic slate this week. A lot of fun non-conference games, some conference games, and good gracious, we got Cyhawk going on. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Of course, part two will be tomorrow. Remind everybody, 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you jump in for part two tomorrow. Now, before we kick things off, go ahead and let you guys know there is a link down in the description for you to go ahead and sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. It's BetUS.com. It's very easy to find, but click the link. The promo code is easy, NCAAF2021. That's going to give you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and that is Sportsbook exclusive. I mean, we make it very easy on you guys. All you got to do is click the link. So go ahead and check that out, sign up, and, and we have got a bunch of games that we are going to be making picks on. So why don't we go ahead and dive in. At, you know what? I think you all might need a reminder. Let's do that. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. This channel is for the live shows, 
Make sure that you are subscribed here, that you like the videos, of course. That helps out our YouTube algorithm, all that good stuff. And make sure you hit that notification bell so that you know exactly when we go live. Jump into the chat. We will be doing a Q&A at the end of every show. And, uh, and we would like to hear your opinions, of course. The comments, everything else. Let us know what you think we got right, what we got wrong, etc. We would love to hear from you. So jump on in there. Guys, I am feeling fantastic about the slate this weekend. Let's go ahead and dive into game number one. And this is one that I personally put on here. Western Kentucky at Army. And I, all right, so we'll start with the odds here. Western Kentucky is a seven-point dog on the road. And it, the favorite, of course, Army. Minus 105, a little bit extra juice there. I personally had this this line as Western Kentucky favored by two on the road, and and I ended up getting points, and it's moving away from me. So I, I was kind of shocked here. Uh, Western Kentucky's got a massive talent advantage, which most teams do with Army. Um, quarterback Bailey Zappi, the, the wide receivers, I trust the explosivity of this offense after last week. I feel really good about Western Kentucky and what they're doing. Tyson Helton, the coach, looks awesome. Now, who am I to go against Jeff Munkin? I understand that. Uh, Army, 3-6 and six against the spread their last nine as a double-digit favorite. Western Kentucky is 7-2 and two against the spread in their last nine spots as a road dog. Uh, Army, their average field position in their first game where they absolutely destroyed Georgia State, 47, uh, 47.8 was their average field position. So basically started at midfield almost every drive. Just ridiculous. Uh, they capitalized off of two turnovers. I don't think that they were as dominant as as it looked. And I think Western Kentucky is really, really good. Uh, Parker, we'll start with you. Give me some numbers on this. Tell me, tell me why I should be off of Western Kentucky here. You stole my stat, Gary, about field <laughs> position. That was the one I had circled. Yeah, because I, 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 that's one of those, Gary, that makes me go back and say, do I need to look at my data cleaning script again? Like, what did I, what did I do here? But yeah, 40, 49, I think was the number and uh, just absolute uh, dominance there by, by army, but also uh, 47.8 is the number I had. You count for some, some junk possessions there at the end of the half, but um, that is dominant. I have them at 49.8 per uh, points per, per game and expected value. Um, and, you know, they converted 61.5% of uh third downs. And so just an absolute great performance by army there. Of course, context mattered a lot. Georgia state's offense isn't exactly fearsome. I was killing me on the over there, that that game for army last week. But I think that people want to look at Bailey Zapp. They want to look at Western Kentucky and say, you know, this is, um, this is a team that's, that's, that's really humming. And, and look, he threw what seven touchdowns last week. He's, he's good. He's shown some offense, but I, I do think that this is going to be a little bit mm, uglier than Western Kentucky wants it. And, and ugly is army football's middle name. Like they are hoping to kind of grind. Um, it does look like they're going to have quarterback issues this week and, and um, might be, might be swapping guys out due to some injuries. But uh, I think that Western Kentucky has such an explosive offense that it's going to be hard uh, to to pick against them. Now, seven points is a lot. I could see this being uh, a weird kind of shootout call and return, but I, I don't I don't think I would play anything here other than leaning towards maybe the over just because Army did put up so many points last week. Of course, I don't expect them to have such a um, absolute advantage in field position again this week, so that will probably regress a little bit. I I tend to agree with you, uh, Kyle. Give me give me your thoughts here because. I was shocked that that I had Western Kentucky as a favorite and and they came out as a five and a half point dog that that number has jumped up to seven 
Uh, I wonder if it's just people that enjoy betting on Army. Is is that part of it? Yeah, so um, 86% of the bets in this game so far are on Army, and 95% of the money is on Army. Everybody and their brother and mom and dad is betting Army in this one. You know, I think the reason for this is at least somewhat because this is the 20th anniversary of 9-11 here on Saturday. So um, kind of people want to root for Army, right, so that you have the emotion into this. Um, it's hard to quantify things like emotion. You know, um, certainly it can be an advantage, but also can put pressure on you. Uh, as I handicapped this game, I had Army minus three here. So I also think, uh, you know, power ratings wise, Western Kentucky is probably a good play. You know, I like the over the best in this game. Uh, this is something I'm strongly considering betting myself. This one has come down. Usually Army unders get bet. So maybe we'll get an even lower number here throughout the week. Uh, Bailey Zappi threw for 421 yards last week against uh, Tennessee Martin. 11 different guys caught a pass. I think that's pretty impressive. Western Kentucky did allow 5.91 yards per carry to Tennessee Martin. I think that's certainly a cause for concern. You know, if Tennessee Martin's ripping off uh, six yards per play. The thing that really would worry me if I were betting Army is who does Army have that can kind of simulate what Bailey Zappi does for Western Kentucky? Nobody there is going to be – there's no scout team guy. There's no guy there that's going to air it out. Um, I don't think Army has anything like what they're going to see here with Western Kentucky. And I will say, Western Kentucky 17-8 to over Army two years ago. I've seen some people talking about playing the under based on that. I just wanted to caution that, you know, that's two years ago. Completely different teams. Western Kentucky was a defensive team then. Uh, Army's a better team now than they were then as well. And Western Kentucky is going to air it out often. So – Hopefully they can bet that number down a little bit more and I get a better number here on the over. But I tend to agree here on uh, taking Western Kentucky plus the seven. But I do think the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11 has something to do with all the bets here. That would make sense. That would make sense. So let's move to the official picks. And it looks like I am the only one with an official pick here. I'm going to roll with Western Kentucky plus the seven. Absolutely love it. Uh, I do know. I, I get it. 9-11. 20th anniversary, I get that, but football is football, so I am rolling with it. Western Kentucky, give me the Hilltoppers, and we'll move on to the next game, and this is maybe the biggest game of the weekend, at least one of them, one of the two, Oregon at Ohio State, and the odds here, Ohio State a 14.5-point favorite, and the total sits at 64. I mean, it's a pretty high number for an early game, but, you know, these are two teams that have trouble Stopping the pass on both sides, really. Uh, I've said in in the preseason multiple times, I believe I said it on this show, that I don't trust Oregon secondary. And and I really don't trust their linebackers to be able to cover uh, in the middle of the field. My question's here, of course, it, what's up with Kayvon Thibodeau? You know, is he going to be a go? And if he is, I'm sure it's not going to be 100%. And how many points is he worth? Um, you know, we just saw a Pac-12 team get smacked at a 12 Eastern time uh, kickoff last week with Stanford only scored seven points against Kansas state, uh, Ohio state team talent, number three, Oregon team talent, number nine. Um, I want to know, can Anthony Brown make enough big plays in this game to keep Oregon in the game and give us, give them a shot to win. I think they got enough weapons to be able to do that, but are they going to be working like they normally would at such an early body clock game, Oregon two and six against the spread last eight as a road dog, Ohio State only five and five against the spread their last 10 as a home favorite. And in their last four, they're only one and three against the spread as a home favorite. So I personally don't have a play on this. 
Uh, Kyle, we'll go back over to you. Uh, tell me about the total here. 64, 64 and a half seems, seems like a lot. Yeah, I bet this is at over 62 and a half. I still do like it at 64. Um, I suspect this will probably go up some more. Ohio State games, uh, in general, when they're a favorite and then they get the lead, they've allowed other teams to score a lot. And uh, I may have rooting interest on the on the side in this game, obviously, being a big Buckeyes fan. But um, my, I like the over here. I think Stroud looked really bad for a half, and then Ohio State still put up 42 points. Obviously, the uh, scoop and score on the ridiculous uh, bounce was was helpful to that. But uh, Ohio State has a really good offensive line. The weapons at wide receiver and running back are very good. Uh, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson look very good. As a Buckeyes fan, I continue to root for them to get the majority of the playing time instead of Master Teague. Uh, I will say that Ohio State's defensive question marks still continue for me. You know, I don't think they've answered those question marks. Ohio State favored by a pretty large number here. The game script here is that Ohio State plays from the lead. You know, if we assume they play from the lead, I think that's a positive for the over. Um, Ohio State has shown us time and time again, they get the big lead. They allow the opposition to move the football and score late in the game. Think back to last year when they had a 35 to seven lead over Indiana. You can think back to last year, uh, 49, 27 win over Rutgers where Rutgers scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. Even last week against Minnesota, Minnesota had almost nothing through the air until the fourth quarter. And then Morgan was able to throw for quite a bit. And there were combined 24 points there in that fourth quarter. Ohio State 10.31 yards per play last week on Minnesota. The weather looks good for this game. I like the over. I think both teams can score here fairly easily. I do think Ohio State will win. Too big of a spread to ask me to try to cover there with Ohio State. Now, Parker, tell me, tell me this: Do we think that? Oh, do we think Oregon has any advantage at any position on the field in this ball game? Not, not really. I don't think that I'm going to look. I was trying to come up with, obviously, if, if Thibodeau is healthy, I'd, I'd push towards defensive end just because you have, you know, somebody who's looking at being a top five NFL draft pick at the pass rush there. But I uh, certainly don't think that that at any position, I feel very, very strongly about Ohio State or Oregon being better than Ohio State. Um, I will say that just again, like Kyle said, this is a big line, uh, which is why I like it. Um, and to, to Kyle's point, last week, Minnesota didn't have anything through the pass until they just started running the seam RPO. And and Minnesota, for as much as having Tanner Morgan, an experienced quarterback, and, and having a couple athletes um, uh, around him, doesn't really have much offensively. Um, I think that they're kind of struggle with identity for the rest of the year on offense. Uh, and I really think that they were just able to isolate one thing that worked and keep doing it. I have a lot more confidence in Joe Moorhead being able to move the ball last week. Oregon allowed pressure on 48.5% of dropbacks against Fresno State. So obviously, if I'm looking at who's going to win this game, I'm picking Ohio State. But I do think that Oregon will have some answers. I think that we'll see a lot funkier of an offense. I think they were very obviously keeping some stuff in the tank against Fresno State. And so I, I don't know that I would pick them straight up. But, but again, 14 points feels like a lot. Ohio State and Stroud really struggled until they said, OK, let's hit kind of these short throws and, and let's get our guys in motion um you're catching the ball in you know in space and, and and moving and remember one of those big big touchdowns of the night was just an absolute blown assignment not that a minnesota defender got beat but that he was looking around and didn't know who he's covering and and ohio state took advantage so of course good teams take advantage of those situations i just don't project those situations to uh 
happen again as much this weekend. I also will say in terms of the trenches, I mentioned defensive line, uh, Mario Cristobal offensive line is going to give a lot more formidable of a challenge to uh, Ohio State than than a, a run heavy Minnesota is. That's that's kind of where I was thinking you might go was the Oregon offensive line against that defensive line. I do think that the Ohio State defensive line is incredibly talented, but you know, a few missed assignments here and there last week. I, I kind of wondered if if maybe that would be the direction that we go. So let's move into the official picks here. And I personally am not going to have one here, but Parker is going to roll plus 14 and a half with Oregon, taking taking them points. I'm I'm with you. And Par, uh, Kyle, excuse me, is going to go over the 64 uh, total. So I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I can see that. And I will be pulling for both of you. I really hope that your bets win. <laughs> so reminder to everybody, if you are jumping into the chat, uh, we will do a Q&A at the end of the show. So make sure that you get your questions in. If we don't hit the game that you want, make sure and jump in there and we will discuss it. Now, let's dive on to the next game. Again, one that I pulled up here, South Carolina at East Carolina. And starting off with the odds, South Carolina is now a two-point favorite. This line opened as East Carolina a two to two and a half point favorite and total sits at 56 and a half uh, more points than I would expect. But either way, I'm not going to play that one. Uh, East Carolina three and six against the spread their last nine as a favorite Shane Beamer at South Carolina already appears to have the program uh, more competent than it's been in a couple of years. At least uh, question for this week is quarterback Luke Doty going to come back uh, South Carolina. They've got a double digit talent edge in this ball game. They should be able to run all over East Carolina. Uh, East Carolina against App State last week gave up two 100-yard rushers to App State, and, and both of those running backs only had 14 and 15 carries each. That's not good. Not good. Um, I I would watch out for the South Carolina running backs here. I think that's how they're going to win this game. Zeb Nolan did not look bad last week. He looked much better than he did when he was at North Dakota State. If he's the guy that goes, okay, I'm good with that. But I'm I'm all over South Carolina minus the two here. Uh, Parker, let me throw it to you. Can you give me some numbers here that, that might back this up? Yeah, so I think this game is is interesting because it is kind of a litmus test for an App State team who is at the top of the Sun Belt and South Carolina, who is by you know many accounts a disaster of a program right now, just in that they were bad and they've got a lot of talent issues and they were starting uh, a 48 year old man at quarterback out of necessity last week. So, you know, I, I have App State uh, expected score against East Carolina closer to like 36 to seven. And so that, you know, the, the, there were some garbage time scores there that made 33 to 19 look a little closer than it was. What I'm really interested in in, in South Carolina is, you know, the, again, the rushing offense like you talked about last week. Um, they allowed. Oh, man, I hit my wrong number. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get better at pulling up this number. Uh, they. <laughs> App State uh, averaged 0. or excuse me, ECU allowed 0.235 EPA per rush and 0.452 EPA per pass to App State. They held them just 40% on third down conversions. So, uh, again, we've seen Chase Bryce at Duke. We know who he is. Um, and App State with, you know, their pistol and their jet sweep that's always uh, a fun, unique offense can can find some lanes for rushers. Uh, but, but I think that East Carolina overall uh, – wasn't getting out schemed per se. They they were just they were just getting uh, out talented, uh, and so I I mean if you're Shane Beamer you should be winning this game right you should be um, yes. at your now, absolute I do, bottom. I do wonder. 
I, I, I do love, think ECU is a little feisty, and if they're going to change quarterbacks again, uh, ECU has been able to work out some of the kinks. App State might be better than we think. I, I can see that as well, which is why I'm not playing this game. So I, I do – I loved uh, Holton Aylers, at the quarterback at ECU, before the season. And he looked okay against App State. I don't know what he's going to look like against South Carolina with – a significant talent advantage. South Carolina here at number 22 as far as team talent composite over at 247 Sports. East Carolina number 74. Like, it, talent does matter at some point, and so long as you have a competent head coach that has actually got everybody pulling in the same direction, I feel like this is one that South Carolina... My, my line was South Carolina minus four. When I was getting points, I felt really good. Now that I'm only having to give two, I, I feel okay about it, especially going past that key number... I feel okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm feeling okay about this. We'll go to the official picks. We only have one, and that would be me. I am taking South Carolina minus two. I think they win this game. I think they cover. I think they look good. And Shane Beamer continues on because any momentum that they had from that first week will be completely gone with a loss to East Carolina. So give me the Gamecocks, and we will move on to a battle in Oklahoma. Tulsa and Oklahoma State last year was ugly. This year, Oklahoma State, a 13-point favorite. Total sits at 51 and a half. And I think we've got quarterback Spencer Sanders back this week, possibly. I mean, we we shall see. I think that's a big question mark here. Tulsa, one and four against the spread in their last five against Oklahoma State. They did cover last season. Uh, Tulsa lost 19 to 17 to UC Davis last week. And gentlemen... I, I don't know how to explain the fact that they had everybody back other than the quarterback of their defense, Zayvon Collins, the linebacker, and the quarterback of the offense. How important are those two guys with a team like this? Now, you go back and look at advanced metrics and all that kind of stuff. Tul uh, Tulsa should have won the game against UC Davis, but three turnovers, that, that can cost you a ball game, especially when the other team gives up none. So uh, Oklahoma State... 28 runs last week for 54 yards against Missouri State. That's not good. That's not good at all. Uh, Tulsa ended up having 283 rushing yards last week, 8.3 yards per carry against UC Davis. But again, lost the turnover battle three to nothing. That's going to cost you a game, especially at home, even against UC Davis. I I don't know which way I'm going to roll here. Um, Kyle, you know, give me give me your thoughts on this ball game. So I'm on the under in this one. Uh, Spencer Sanders missed the first game, and there's at least a question as to whether he's going to play in this game. And I will say, I think we talked about in our previews that I'm not really sure how good Spencer Sanders is, especially without Stoner and Wallace. Uh, you know, these are these are guys that were so good there in the past. Uh, the running game really concerns me. Uh, Gary Gary went ahead and uh, stole my note there as well, as far as uh, the 1.93 yards per carry against Missouri State. Um, look. You know, PFF graded them out at 52.0 in run blocking grade last week against Missouri State. That's lower than any run blocking grade they had all of last year, obviously playing against better competition. So that would concern me a lot. I know uh, Illingworth's not a great quarterback. He did throw for 300 yards there last week. 23-16 to 16 win for Oklahoma State. You know, to me, uh, Trace Ford, we should say also, torn ACL for Oklahoma State. Uh, Big-time bummer, really good player. Um it's going to hurt them quite a bit. Oklahoma State still has a very good defense. I like their scheme a lot. I think they have a good defensive coordinator. Tulsa put up seven points against them last year, and that was with a good quarterback. And now they have uh, Davis Brin, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. 
in that first game. They put up 17 points against UC Davis. Um, it's hard for me to see Tulsa scoring very many points in this game. At the same time, I don't really think Oklahoma State's going to just open it up and air it out and have a ton of success here either. Uh, Tulsa still has a good defensive line. Jackson Player is a good defensive lineman. Obviously, Collins is badly missed. I think this is an above-average defense for Tulsa. One final thing that I always uh, try to point out as, as much as possible, uh, 20 miles per hour winds expected for this game, 100-degree temperature. Uh, you could argue either way as to whether that's good or bad for offense or defense. But 20 miles per hour winds, unquestionably a good thing for the under with gusts to 30 miles per hour. So um, that always helps a lot. And there are some good systems with heavy winds being good for the under. Even without the, the weather like that, I like the under. It's just a nice bonus. That totally makes sense. I had no idea that it was supposed to be around 100 degrees with 20 mile an hour winds. That is uh, remarkable. Remarkable. Parker, you got any thoughts on this? I know you're all about the Big 12. Tell me what you got. Yeah, I need a glass of water thinking about 100 degrees and 20, 20 <laughs> miles of wind out in a dust bowl out there. Um, yes, I won't uh, I won't break news. Um, there are questions about Sanders, uh, but it, I, I think he will play this weekend. There are other issues both COVID-related and non-COVID-related on Oklahoma State, which is why I'm not playing a line on this game. I, I think that if you were going to play a line on this game and you were more confident about the availability of, of certain players, um, one thing that I really would look at is, is Illingworth last week had an average depth of target of 14.9, uh, and he completed only 62.5 of his, or was accurate on only 62.5% of his plays. So it's not like in a in a game against you know a, a Bobby Petrino coach team, Mike Gundy said, "Oh, we're going to dramatically change what we're going to do to make sure that we maximize our backup quarterback." He said, "No, nah, we're just going to run the stuff we want to run and kind of get reps for everybody else." When you know if that's if that's a close win, whatever. So I, I think that Oklahoma State's defense is absolutely underrated. There are questions about their outside talent at, at wide receiver, but I do think if Sanders is back, their offense should be um, really really good. LD Brown at, at running back is underrated. Uh, filling Chuba Hubbard's uh, shoes there. So I, I, I do like the under because I do think that Oklahoma State will run uh, once they, they'll get up and then they'll get out, especially with it being hot and weather being gross. So the game should go by quickly. Uh, again, some availability issues there that I'm not certain about is why I'm, I don't have a pick here. That totally makes sense. All right, so let's go to the official plays, the official picks, and Kyle is our official pick here. He is going to roll the under 51 and a half, and I can totally understand it. Totally understand it. Uh, reminder, everybody that jumps into the chat, we have a Q&A at the end of the show. Uh, we've already got questions about Pitt and Tennessee. We will hit on that in the Q&A section. So let's dive into the next game. Another game that I tossed on here. I know that this is an absolute blockbuster game. Viewership galore. Rutgers at Syracuse. Rutgers is a two-point favorite. The total sits at 52 here. And, you know, I... What I saw out of Rutgers last week showed me everything I needed to see. And, and Syracuse ended up getting a win as well at Ohio. That's a really good win for them, especially with what they went through last season. Rutgers 4-1 and one against the spread of their last five as a favorite. Syracuse 5-2 and two in their last seven in the underdog role. Syracuse is actually slightly more talented if you just look at talent composites. Um, this is more of a bet for me on Greg Schiano and Sean Gleason right? The offensive coordinator that went from Princeton to Oklahoma State back to Rutgers. And I, I think that crazy offense that the Scarlet Knights run is what is going to get it done here. I know that it, it seems like a trap, right? Because I feel like everybody is betting on Rutgers, but 
I, I still like them in this spot. Uh, Syracuse, 283 rushing yards last week. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Rutgers front. Their front. I like Rutgers front seven. I really do. I think they're insanely talented. Um, they, they have upgraded so much that roster in the last two years with Greg Schiano between transfers and and just getting you know pure talent out of the high school ranks. I feel good about them. Uh, Rutgers gave up 3.1 yards per carry against Temple. I, I like the front seven, like I said. Uh, Kyle, let's dive over to you first. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Rutgers and the Orange. So 65% of the bets here on Rutgers and 71% of the money on Rutgers. Um, I was wrong on Ohio against Syracuse last week. Uh, always honest about the ones that we miss here, obviously. Um, I lean strongly to Rutgers here, and I have to say this is kind of a a mental thing. I really don't like fading the team that I just lost to in the last game again, because, you know, you keep fading that team, you keep losing money. Uh, betting is at least somewhat emotional. So you don't want to just keep getting uh, losses one after another. I, I have a strong lean here to Rutgers. I could only bet them on this. Uh, I wanted to point out that Syracuse before the season said their tempo might look different. Uh, they snapped the ball every 27.47 seconds last week. That was 79th quickest in the country. In the previous three years, they were 12th, 16th, and 35th. So they've definitely decided to slow down. I think this makes sense because Syracuse has pretty much figured out we don't have the offensive firepower that we need to win these really high-scoring games. So let's try to make it a little bit uglier. Uh, I think Rutgers is fine with that, though, right? Um, so uh, Rutgers' defensive line, very good. Top six, top six linebackers from last year are back again. Um, Syracuse was able to run on Ohio easily last week. I don't think they're going to be able to run on Rutgers easily this week. And I still think Syracuse's offensive line is a major concern. Uh, they looked okay last week, but I want to see it some more before I actually think that they're uh, consistently better. I like Sean Gleason a lot and his innovative uh, thoughts there at offensive coordinator. So uh, the only thing I will say negative about this one is Rutgers was only plus 0.42 yards per play margin last week, plus five turnover margin. So Temple basically handed them the game as much as they possibly could. So that that score was a bit misleading. Having said that, Rutgers is my strongly in this game. Makes sense. Uh, Parker, give me some numbers here. I know that you, of all people, as much as you dive into the actual plays, in the actual game itself, you got to love what Sean Gleason's doing, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting fitting coming back. You know, I was excited for him to be at Oklahoma State, and and uh, that didn't work out for whatever reason. But him back at Rutgers, like, they're, they're obviously moving the ball. Um, one thing that I will point out, though, they 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 did average a negative EPA per pass last week, um, and, and not a not a great EPA per rush, negative 0.116 EPA per pass against Temple. Some of that's reflected in in, in garbage time. And if you you look at um, Syracuse's offense again, they they won against uh, Ohio, right? But they they average a 0.506 EPA per rush and a negative 0.147 EPA per pass. So that's good uh, just, just to attach rankings because I know that can be abstract. That's like the ninth best rushing offense in terms of EPA and the 73rd best EPA per pass. Uh, Tommy DeVito was 11 for 17, a QBR of like 51 or 57. I, I uh, don't remember that number offhand. But so basically they just had – bigger players than Ohio and Ohio had a coaching change late. And so I don't put a ton of stock in that game. Um, uh, I, I, again, I don't know that I'm sold on Rutgers, but I'm less sold on, on Syracuse uh, just because I think that Ohio game was, um, you know, the, the fact they won 29 to nine just was more of a binary. Oh, 
Syracuse can run on Ohio, not, hey, they're 20 points better than Ohio in all facets of the game. That, yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's how I saw both of those games, Syracuse and Rutgers. Uh, I mean, the Rutgers demolition of Temple uh, just almost wasn't even fair. Uh, Dewan Matt that's going out with an injury, like all, all sorts of problems there. But uh, more of this is, I, I feel like in week two, I'm still leaning somewhat on my preseason numbers to to get me to these bets. Like, I, I don't want to overreact to week one. And that's what I'm doing here is Rutgers before, I felt like they were, you know, a touchdown better than Syracuse. Um, I told you guys in in our own little group chat that I had this line at Rutgers minus 14 before the season, and now it's minus two, and I could not figure it out. I did not understand it. So I am riding it. I am taking Rutgers. Let's move to the official pick. And I am the only one brave enough to take the Scarlet Knights here. Nobody wants to dive into this dumpster fire with me. That's okay. I'm going to take Rutgers minus two, and that is my official play on it. The other two, not diving in, but I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, We'll move on. We will move on to the next game, and this is one that is perfect for this weekend. Air Force at Navy. Air Force a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, total of 41, uh, perfect for you know, the, the 20 year anniversary of nine 11. Uh, this is, this is an interesting spot. Air force four and one against the spread in their last five against Navy. They won 40 to seven last year against Navy and Navy, of course, three and six against the spread their last nine as a home dog. That ain't good. Um, slew of experienced players for air force because they started a whole bunch of new guys last year. They did get some guys back this season. Uh, Navy, a lot of inexperienced guys. I'm I'm curious about this one. I'm curious which way uh, both of you want to go on this. Really, uh, Parker, let's start off with you. You know, tell me about Air Force. Tell me about Navy. Navy did not look good last week against Marshall. Uh, I nailed that one. Felt good about that. But I, I don't know how Navy improves uh, to be able to to get a win here. Yeah, you said uh, that Navy, you gave the score of the game last week, and I wanted to interject. And then Navy got a lot worse because they they really did. Marshall just took them, uh, you know, behind the woodshed last week. Uh, Marshall had a 71.1% echo uh, quality, quality percent rate. They averaged 0.23 EPA per pass. They converted 50% of their third downs. I have that game in expectation. It's always funny when this happens. 37 to negative six is the value uh, on on Marshall Navy last week. So Navy is clearly uh, struggling. I think that's an under, understatement there. Air Force had a fine win um, uh, against Lafayette, uh, an FCS team. They you know played a little bit of pace. They got up 28-7 and kind of cruised. So I think that Air Force has a really nice mix of, you know, again, consistent rushing, but, but an explosive pass ceiling as they're prone to have. And I think that Navy is really, really struggling to find themselves. Um, again, Kyle pointed this out and now I'm letting it color my, my perception a little bit, but it is a big weekend. And, and perhaps there are some emotional realities that kind of influence the game. But I think that the talent and execution gap here are just really, really big. Uh, and so I, I, I like Air Force in this game. I can, I can ride with that. Kyle, you, uh, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was going to say first, uh, was Navy not tackling in practice again or, or what was going on? <laughs> because last week, um, you know, that was a game I watched and Marshall did whatever they wanted. In fact, I was going to bring up the echo rate and then uh, Parker Parker brought it up because I looked at his website, cfbgraphs.com for that. And uh, maybe Parker, you can just say, I mean, that echo rate is almost unheard of, right? That's extremely high. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so 71 is three out of four drives. You're either getting a first down across your opponent's 40 or, or a touchdown there. And and um, that's not filtered for garbage time, right? So, of course, Marshall kind of piled it on. But consistently, they were really just, I mean, taking it to him. If I look at the um, the field position there, too, Marshall was 36.9 to Navy's 28.1. And so Navy's, you know, not, not great on special teams, not really getting Marshall in a hole and then wasn't able to stop them at all. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a... Uh... It was an ugly game from the get-go for Navy. Navy even had that really bad possession right before halftime where they had no timeouts left. They ran the ball and got tackled and then just ran out of time, so they couldn't even kick a field yeah. goal or anything. That was that was not a good look. I will say, I don't think we learned that much about Air Force from their 35-14 to 14 win over Lafayette. Obviously, they took their foot off the gas. Um, these service academy games have been free under bets in the past. I will say, though, these two teams against each other have had games that are higher scoring than what you would think. Their last seven straight games have finished with at least 42 points. So just kind of a cautionary note that, uh, you know, betting under 41 is not as easy as it sounds in a game like this. I would certainly lean Air Force uh, in this game if I had to bet it. I am going to pass, though. That does make sense. I, the only thing that scares me about this, we saw Navy last season come out and absolutely looked terrible in the first game against BYU. What was it? 55 to three or something crazy like that. And then they do the same thing this season, 49 to seven, 42, whatever it was against Marshall. And, and then of course, last year in the second weekend, they go down 24 to nothing at the half in the very next game against Tulane and then come out and score 27 points unanswered and get a win in new Orleans. I I don't think that that's what we're going to see here, but it, it, does stay in the back of my head enough to make me stay off of this one. So let's dive to the official picks here. And Parker is the one that is going to give us his official pick. Air Force minus five and a half. And he's going to ride it. He's going to ride it with the Falcons. And I get it. I get it because Navy, I mean, I don't know how anybody could back them after last uh, after last week. So let's move on from there. We've got two more that we are going to discuss. And then we'll jump into the Q&A. And then we'll give a little bit of a recap. But next game up. Cal at TCU, Cal nine and one against the spread. Their last 10 as a road underdog. Whew, and that line has gotten up to 11 and a half. TCU, the favorite total sits at 48. And I mean, that number just, it keeps on crawling, keeps up. I mean, just crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, TCU two, seven and one against the spread in their last 10 as a 10 plus point home favorite. Uh, this is a rematch of a classic, classic battle. The 2018 Cheez It Bowl. I know Parker's going to be smiling about this, but that was a uh, that was a duel. We'll just say that TCU uh, won that game 10 to seven. Uh, I feel like Patterson enjoys these defensive struggles that, with coaches that he really respects, and I feel like he respects Wilcox. And I don't know if he trusts. It. I, I'll take that back. I don't know if Patterson uh, will take as many risks in this game against this Cal defense. And I think that's what's going to decide the spread here. I do feel like TCU, the better team, um, Cal can't score. Does Max Duggan, you know, and all those weapons create enough explosive plays to be able to get that many points and get over and and all that. Uh, Let's dive with, you know, let's start with Kyle on this one first, because I know Parker's going to go for a little bit on it. So Kyle, let's, uh, let's start with you. What, what are your thoughts here on the Horned Frogs? Nice. I like that you threw a little bit of a curveball. We'll let Parker be the closer here in this one. Um, 82% you just of the sit over here on my hands for a minute. 
<laughs> right, right. I'll, I'll try to make it quick, Parker. 82% of the bets on TCU in this one, 93% of the money on TCU. So apparently Parker's already been laying on this one pretty good. But um, someone really likes TCU in this game. Cal blew an early lead against Nevada. I watched all that game, and I thought it looked like Nevada just really looked like the better team. You know, I don't think that was a fluky game at all. Uh, Cal defensive front gets very little pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Duncan is more than capable of beating them. Uh, Gary Patterson, a great defensive mind, a coach that I think is a very, very good coach, especially defensively. And Cal really lacks offensive weapons. You know, Gary alluded to that, too. I'm not impressed by Garbers. I don't think he's very good. Um, TCU is likely to try to make Garbers beat them through the air. I don't really think he can do that. You know, it would surprise me quite a bit. So as my handicap goes on this one, I don't think Cal's going to score very many points here. And maybe a Cal team total under looks like a good look at this one. Um, I'll have to look at that one some more uh, later in the week. But how many points is TCU going to score here? That's really my question because I don't think Cal's going to score many, but I don't know how many TCU is going to score either. So uh, this one was, what, nine and a half or 10, and now it's gone up to 11 and a half. It's getting up there a little bit. Again, you know, um, 99 degrees, the heat index of 110 for this game. So Cal not used to that heat. I would say TCU is more used to that. So um, I, I lean TCU in this one, but I, I kind of wonder how much uh, Parker thinks the TCU offense can do against Cal's defense. I, how long ago was this stat where Chase Garbers was 7-0 and as a starter? Do y'all remember this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been... Everybody thought whenever Garbers comes back, they're going to be just fine. This offense has been putrid. Uh, Parker, let's go ahead and dive into it. Tell me your thoughts here. Aaron Rodgers is not walking through that door. Uh, last week, Cal against Nevada, who wasn't a very good defense, averaged negative 0.102 EPA per pass. They completed or converted on just 37.5% of the third down conversions, but they averaged a positive 0.348 EPA per rush. So what that story tells me is that Cal ran the ball on first and second downs, and when they had early down successes, they, they got third downs, they extended drives. When they got into a third down long situation where Garbers had to bail them out, they couldn't do it. They do not spread the ball around. This offense looks very bad. Um, one thing that I will point out is that Nevada runs one of the most uh, just textbook air raid offenses. I'm literally how Mommy's son is running the offense in Nevada um, and, and, and Jay Norvell. So they got, you know, uh, it's not exactly a complex offense and Cal was just getting beat as, as Nevada was letting it sling because they were down. So the game script there really exposed Cal. I think that TCU's run defense is going to be um, much better last year. They get Corey Bethley back, an NFL draft prospect who uh, missed, missed last year with an injury. And um, I think that the one thing that I do worry about is how much will TCU score? I do not think they will allow very many points. I think their run defense is going to be very stout. Um, but last week, TCU, five drives with their starters to start the game, five touchdowns. Um, two of those were just completely rushing drives where they just let the running back run five or six times and scored a touchdown. One of those, they ran their full passing set and Max Duggan threw an interception. He threw a ball a little late on the middle of the field and TCU shriveled up after that. And so it will be interesting to see play calling, how conservative they go, especially given, like Kyle pointed out, how Wilcox is one of these defensive guys that Patterson respects. So I expect this to be a low scoring game. I don't think there's any reason TCU shouldn't win this game. Just having superior athletes on, on both sides of the ball and, and Cal really having nothing besides a little bit of an early down running game. I knew that you were going to have some good stuff for us on this one. I just knew it. Let's dive into the official picks. 
and the official play here will be from Parker, and that is TCU minus 11.5. He feels good about it. I uh, I might toss some pizza money on this, but as far as an official play, I'm out on it. I, I can't do it. The uh, the against the spread trends and whatnot it make me wary, but uh, but I do see where you're coming from. I do see where you're coming from. Now, we do have somebody in the chat that said, does anybody have any upsets this week? Well, we're going to dive into a quick game here. Let's let's do the last one. Buffalo at Nebraska. The spread here, uh, Buffalo is a 13.5 point dog on the road. Total of 54.5. Buffalo 7-3 against the spread their last 10 as an underdog. Nebraska 3-7 against the spread their last 10 as a favorite. Buffalo's defensive line looks absolutely legit. And I understand the opponent last week. You got to adjust all the good stuff. But just from a from a size, speed standpoint, their defensive line looked unbelievable. Now, I had questions. I did not have high expectations for Maurice Lingist, right, coming in, replacing Lance Leipold. But I, I do wonder if if Lance didn't just leave that program completely stocked with developed players. I mean, it, that's really what it looked like in, in the first week. Uh, Nebraska has Oklahoma coming up next week. Everybody knows that the seat is pretty warm for Scott Frost right now. I'm curious how to even – how to even look at this? I, I do want to bring Parker in on it, but Kyle, let's start with you. I know that you've got some thoughts on on the Buffalo Bulls here. So I wanted to say to start it off, uh, my power ratings have Nebraska minus fifteen. Now I've said it earlier on, uh, my power ratings are not everything for me. You know, before the season, this would have been a bigger number for me. I'm not in the business of trusting Scott Frost laying two touchdowns. You know, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'll let somebody else do that. I, I can't blame Parker for leaning uh, Buffalo in this game, so I kind of lean against my my number here in that one. But I will say, uh, I think Buffalo winning 69-7 to last week, I don't know how much that really matters against Wagner, plus 5.35 yards per play margin. I am cautious about betting Buffalo because I think uh, Leopold was a really good coach, and I don't trust Kyle Van Treese very much as a quarterback. I think that if Buffalo can run the football, they could pull a big upset here. If Buffalo can't run the football, they could lose by quite a bit. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, Adrian Martinez, uh, turnover waiting to happen, obviously, but he is athletic. Uh, I think his speed could bother the the Buffalo defense, at least some. Um, as far as how this game would go, I guess my question for Parker is, do you think Buffalo can consistently run the ball well against this Nebraska defense? I do. And here's kind of my argument. I think Lance Leipold is a great coach. And I do think this hire was a step backwards for Buffalo, unfortunately. But I don't know that Lance Leipold is an excellent in-game tactician as much as he is a guy who can develop athletes and get them to buy into the vision. And so we're getting some spillover effects from from Leipold here, right? Again, I'm not taking anything away from week one. Kyle Vantries is someone who is at best, boringly consistent, uh, 69.7% adjusted completion percentage last year on an 11.2 ADOT. Now, of course, he had an NFL running back in the backfield and an excellent offensive line. Buffalo is turning over both of those. This is a lot of points for a Nebraska team that I don't know knows what to do when things are going well, right? They haven't played a lot of positive game scripts. They really haven't had a lot of opportunities to say, against a good team, we're going to execute our vision and we're going to um, take care of business. So that's what makes me nervous about Nebraska. Again, they were up. They were positive EPA in the in the Illinois game. They just had a couple just absolute head-scratcher moments that, and wheels came off. So this is entirely um, 
looking at, do I think that Buffalo can be consistent enough to be annoying for Nebraska? And I do. Now, Kyle, your, your talk about Adrian Martinez does raise a really good point that the defensive line of Buffalo might be their greatest strength but in this game might actually hurt them. Adrian Martinez ran, uh, scrambled, or or designed run one of the most out of the last couple of, um, excuse me, out of the last season and of, of any quarterback. And so really what this comes down to is maybe they'll get good pressure and maybe they'll watch Adrian Martinez run by linebackers and it'll blow up at a big game. I think that's less likely. I think Buffalo will hang around and be annoying and they will try and run the ball. Um, and they have, you know, Kyle Vantries is now a five-year uh, starter, I guess in 2018 he didn't start, but a five-year guy, very experienced, um, and so I think that I think that this will be close. Uh, Buffalo doesn't seem to do the things to beat themselves that the Nebraska always seems to, right? So, so if you yeah. ride with Buffalo, you're basically counting on Nebraska to to make mistakes, which is you know when you're looking at analytics, you sometimes want to throw some of those things out just to you know, it, try and clean it up a little bit, but I don't know that you can always throw it out with Nebraska because it happens so regularly. It, it's so, yep. I mean, it's just unbelievable to watch that team uh, shoot themselves in the foot time and time again. So let's, uh, let's move to the official picks here and then we'll jump into the Q and a, the official pick on Buffalo at Nebraska. Parker is the one making the pick here. Nebraska is going to uh, not cover here. Buffalo plus 13 and a half is his side and I can see it. I can totally see it because I don't trust it. I don't trust Scott Frost as far as I can throw him to be able to cover two touchdowns. So uh, with that said, we do have some questions in the Q&A. So let's go ahead and dive into them. We did have a question earlier about Pitt and Tennessee. Now, this, of course, early game on, I don't know if it's SEC Network or ESPN or whatever it is, but it's early game in Knoxville. Pitt is a three-point favorite. I, I will go ahead and tell you. I trust Pat Narduzzi's defense going up against Joe Milton. I, I, without the running last week, Joe Milton was not great throwing the football, and that's against a really bad Bowling Green team. Now, could he absolutely improve this week? Sure. But that's that's my view on this is I think Pitt can absolutely cover this. Uh, Parker, let's, let's jump back to you. What do you think about uh, Pitt and Tennessee here? Pitt last week, their expected score was 67 and a half to negative 38. There is nothing you can say about UMass that is too negative for where they currently are as a football team. So I do like Pitt quite a bit in this game. I think that Tennessee, new coach, a quarterback that doesn't necessarily fit the type of a Josh Heupel offense, they, they're working out some kinks. Obviously, Joe Mountain is, has a cannon, um, and, and you know Tennessee has talent. Last week, it really just looked like, you know, they hadn't made their bed every morning and, and to, you know, drank all, all 32 ounces of water they were supposed to do and every day and taking care of themselves. So I think this week in practice, they'll, they'll look a little bit uh, tighter. I think that definitely Pitt should win this game. But uh, I just, you know, I'm, I what do you say about a UMass game, right? Like, I, I can't I can't say too much about yes. that. And look at my projections. The uncertainty bars go across zero. Right. And so I'm not, I don't, I don't have a direction. I don't, I don't have a good number here. No, that, that totally makes sense. Kyle, you got a thought on the, uh, the Panthers. This is hey, by the way, the Johnny majors bowl, basically, like I believe both teams are going to be, uh, celebrating Johnny majors who actually coached both programs. I think it's going to be cool. And we could have an all time uniform game. Feel pretty good about that. So anyway, Kyle, go ahead and jump in. Tell me, uh, tell me your thoughts here. Uh, so if I had to bet aside here, I would take Pitt, but like, uh, Parker just said, 
you know, I don't know what to take away from last week's game for Pitt because UMass is just that bad. Um, Tennessee, 14 to six at halftime against Bowling Green. I mean, what was that? Um, you know, I, I agree. The quarterback there, Milton, doesn't seem to be the best fit. I will say, I think the over was a good play earlier when it opened at 52 or 52 and a half just because of the sheer tempo in a game like this. You know, both teams are going to play very fast. I don't think Pitt's defense is as good as it was last year. I don't think Tennessee's defense is going to be good, especially with Heupel playing so fast. So I'll lean Pitt and the over here in this one. I can get down with that. Now, we did have another question uh, about Stanford and USC. That's a later game. Do we want to hit on that one in the Q&A tomorrow, or should we just go ahead and – I don't know. Kyle, what do you think? I was – yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that, that's that's a later game tomorrow, so if you want to hit on it tomorrow, we can definitely uh, do let's, that either way. Let's let's do that. I was, looking, you, at the, I was looking at the line on that one, so I, I didn't – I haven't not said we're <laughs> going to talk about it yet. <laughs> let's let's do that. We'll hit on that one tomorrow. I, we do have questions about uh, Heath Harrelson wants uh, Iowa and Iowa State. He wants to know about that one. We got some guys asking for locks, all that good stuff. Hey, you want locks? Let's go ahead and do that. Don't forget, part two is tomorrow. But let's go ahead and knock out the recap here, and we'll get out of here and get ready for tomorrow's show as well. Our recap for part one of week two. We're going to roll Parker with plus 14 and a half with Oregon at Ohio State. Air Force minus five and a half against Navy. TCU at home minus 11 and a half against Cal. And he likes Buffalo plus 13 and a half. Doesn't trust Scott Frost to be able to cover two touchdowns either. I can get down with it. I am rolling Western Kentucky plus seven. And that's uh, that's at Army. South Carolina minus two against East Carolina. And then Rutgers minus two against Syracuse. And then Kyle, of course, our total man. Oregon, Ohio State over 64, and he likes Tulsa and Oklahoma State under 51 and a half with those 20 mile an hour winds and 100 degree heat. I can get down with it. All right, gentlemen, I believe it is time for us to go ahead and get out of here. Everybody remember tomorrow morning, or I guess tomorrow noonish, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you are back here for part two of week one. We've got some more interesting games, the big games of the week as well. Make sure that you are subscribed to this channel and that you hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live, of course. Also remind you, the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% deposit bonus over at BetUS where the game begins, and that's up to $2,500. And it's for sportsbook exclusive access. I mean, it's a ridiculous deal. So click the link down in the description and make sure that you jump in on that today. So with that said, I believe that we are going to go ahead and get out of here. Subscribe to the channel. Leave comments. Let us know what you like about the picks, et cetera, et cetera. And we would love to hear from you. We would love to see you again tomorrow. So for BetUS, where the game begins, we will see you all again on Thursday.